flows off the tongue. It sounds hey. proper, but I can't say it all the way. Hello, the wawometer. The wa uh, bust out the wawometer here. <laughs> okay. the first preseason week. <laughs> okay, um, look at you. I don't think you're hiding that with your, your soccer friends. Exactly. I, it has become easier after got a doing more Premier League he sounds like he's from London. That's Ahmed Farid. I am Chris Sims. It's Chris Sims on Button. What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday. It's August 16th. We are still in the midst of the preseason in between here, between preseason week one, preseason week two. Yep. My man is here. He's looking good today. He was out late at a Mets game last night. So why he would be at that game right now, <laughs> I don't even know. Because well, <laughs> I, I, I want to take my son. <laughs> it's a good family atmosphere. I took my dad, too. Right. And I had been asking, you know, I was just going to pay for tickets. But right. I was like, well, you know, we're a big NBC. We probably have right. some Mets tickets. Right. And so I was just kind of like emailing for like a month here. And they're like, eventually the team got so bad. That they were like, Ahmed, we do have some tickets for you. <laughs> Nobody no else, wants them. No one else wants these. So I took my dad. I took my uh, my son. That's good. It was uh, Edwin Diaz. Oh, bobblehead trumpet night, yeah, wasn't it? Was the like trumpet him attached, with the Tommy right? Trumpet's trumpet. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Which is that's a big deal. Given out to the first fifteen thousand fans, and there were people lined up. We got there early because I wanted to show Cooper batting practice. I didn't even know it was the bobblehead. Day. Right, right. But there were long lines there. Apparently, kind of unprecedented. People wanted this bobblehead. Yeah. To the point that there were people that were in line before us, got the bobblehead, and immediately left. Just walked out of the stadium. Wow. They didn't even go to the game. Man. They just got it's the just ticket. Just like that. They got the ticket the just to get the bobblehead. I was like, dang. That's, right. that's, is that crucial? That's that big of a deal? You're going to drive into Flushing Meadows and deal with traffic <laughs> and do all that just for a freaking bobblehead? I know. I don't know. Yes. Well, we have people that are losing their mind in this country. All right. So you had a good time, though. It was a good time. That's yeah. good. The Yankees are about to fall into that category, too, of NBC doesn't know what to do with their four tickets. So that's when I'll ask them for that, too. So weird. I think it's like the first time since 1960. 60-something that right. for a day this late in the season, both the Mets and Yankees were in the last place in their division. Yeah, the, it's, it is. It's it's a down. And for a, a city that loves baseball, baseball's on the bottom of the barrel right now for this city. Thank God the Giants God. and Jets are good. That's right. We got that. Also, so what I want to know, there's two things to witness. Yeah. All right. One, I know you guys don't swear in your house, but I'm sure your son heard a few like cursors oh last gosh. night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. When you learn any new words, you learn some words in the Chris Sims Dictionary? Well, he listened to this podcast every once in a while. Oh, or he'll hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, no, there was, like, some pirate fans that are around us. Right. Because um, we were behind the pirate's dugout. Arr, and, oh, maybe. man, dropping some, uh, some F-bombs for sure. Yeah. I was like, what, has the podcast started early here? <laughs> uh, I don't think he totally – he was overwhelmed by everything. Right. So, I think that kind of flew over his head. But, yeah, there definitely it's – there's some language. Yeah, it's always fine. a good experience for kids to hear some of that right there. It's a, it's a, it could be a, a different thing for sure to, to hear. All right, other thing we got to talk about. I mean, first off, your red and blue look today is phenomenal. Thank I you. I mean, so America of you. you. And then uh, – Tecmo Bowl uh, yeah, T-shirt. I, I think it's in that you know that vein. I don't think it's technically a Tecmo well, Bowl. Well, yeah, because nobody wants to pay the name, image, likeness to <laughs> yeah. Tecmo Bowl or to Bo Jackson, who that is on that screen there. That's Bo Jackson. I mean, that's how dare they rip off Bo Jackson's little squares of body digitalness and put it on a T-shirt. Kathleen <laughs> got this for me. I think this Christmas, this past Christmas. Wow. So I just I was like and. The same thing that you have said. You're like, why am I not wearing my polos and my summer clothing here? Because we can't for much longer. Yeah. And so I was like, that's a good point. So right. I got the I got the T-shirt out, and I think maybe the best video game ever made was Tecmo Super Bowl. You know, the the second version right. of Tecmo Bowl. Right. 
I, I still play that to this day and enjoy it, it every time I do. It, it's up there. It is. It's it's up there. And I I um I think I got it on my son's oh, birthday new... arcade thing he's got well, here. Thirty five hundred games. I hope. I think the it's best on there. I, is on there. He told me yesterday. He's like. I, He's like, I think there is a football game, Tecmo something. And I was like, Tecmo football's on there? I was like, he's like, yeah. But it's like, it's not the real teams. And I was like, then I was like, well, yeah, I don't think they were ever the real teams, right? It just said New York and San Francisco. No, they became the in the, the first, first Tecmo, version, maybe right. not, right? It but just they said did the have city the names. They did have the names did in the it? first version. They yeah. were the New York Giants and the San Francisco. Mm. I feel like they weren't. But they had the real players. They had okay. the real players because okay. I know Mark Bavaro was on that yeah, game. Yeah, sure. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that was too. On that yep. game. Right, right. They had those guys. Okay, so we figured that out. If you have it, I will go over there tonight and play it on the arcade. You're not so. invited tonight, okay. but okay. some other time, yes. Too busy tonight, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all right, and then, I mean, speaking of your wife and getting this T-shirt, yes. which she's obviously just a savant and finding cool T-shirts uh-huh. or making cool T-shirts. Yep. AKA unbuttoned swag. Uh-huh. But then you send me a picture last night of your son at the baseball game and he's wearing an unbuttoned hat. Yep. Yes. Yes. He we... is. And Pete's Pete... saying, oh no, right now. And that's right, homies. Pete just is dragging his feet. No, he's working on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure he's he is. He's been working on it. It's merch. year forty two of him working on it. Yeah, he, he's emailed a few people. He's emailed a few people now, and he's gonna press them now. He's like, if you don't get back to me in a year and a half, right. I'm really gonna start to get angry. Yes, right. I uh, know Pete has tried to get us merch. It's I think not Pete. Legal it's the people above us. Yeah, legal hoops. who owns the name. We gotta pay a dollar fifty for each T-shirt before. I mean, it's expensive stuff for NBC. It's, like this, well, it's hard. It's like who owns the <laughs> nil of Chris Sims Unbutton? Is that NBC? Is that Chris Sims? I, I, I'll get, give them the fucking ownership if they can make me a fucking T-shirt. <laughs> Let's see. We'll go from there, okay? The hat did look good. I did make that hat. That oh, was a you hat did? That I, yeah, that was a hat that wow. I made. I wanted to rep the podcast while we go. were there. Thanks, man. No one said anything about it, but that's all right. That's all I'm right. I'm sure people noticed the yeah. logo. I don't just... know. They probably don't know the logo enough because we don't sure. have enough merch out there to show it. So baseball, <laughs> it's probably the last time we'll talk about baseball because Chris has stopped watching. I that's stopped. A, last game I will go to as a fan. Yeah. Unfortunately, we got a few more on Peacock here to, to go, but uh, we got some more to discuss with the preseason. We've got Matthew Barry coming by in like probably 20 minutes from now, yeah. let's talk some fantasy. Yeah. So we'll do that, but let's just rip through some of this news and some of the preseason leftovers. We wanted to talk about some of the news on here because we hadn't talked about it necessarily on this podcast. Yeah, a few things we're missing. Won't spend a whole lot of time, but Israel DMS7 says, what kind of contenders does Delvin Cook make the Jets? So let's start with some of the news, some of the new players on uh, new teams, Delvin Cook going, making the Jets maybe one of the strongest running back rooms in the uh, in the entire NFL with uh, Brees Hall coming back and Michael Carter there. Uh, Agreed. I, I actually had to do a draft today with Florio about the strongest running back rooms, and I picked the Jets. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you have a healthy Brees Hall with Dalvin Cook and Michael Carter, Israel Abakananda, sorry, I'm getting there. Abakanda? I may be wrong. Now I'm totally confused. Him, okay. Yeah, he's not getting there, sorry. And then, and then um, Bam Knight. I mean, they got a little bit of everything, you know, yeah. so they got depth, versatility, all of that. I, I do think it's one of the best running back rooms in football. What does it do for with the Jets offense? The big thing right off the bat is it buys some time for Brees Hall. We don't need him right away. There's no, oh, gosh, we're not the same offense without you. Now they go, hey, there's an open hole. Hey, Dalvin Cook can get 70 just like Brees Hall can. Oh, here's a swing pass down the sideline. He can get 70 just like Brees Hall can. So I think that's the big thing it does. And then, of course, to have two guys like that. And, hey, we know this is a, a rotational position in the NFL right now. 
And even within that, of course, there's drop-offs between the number one and number two guy. You're not going to have much of a drop-off here. And then also, I think when you're learning a new offense here, right, and there's some carryover from what they did with, with uh, uh, Michael LaFleur, but it's still different. And you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's at the line of scrimmage all the time. I'd argue that at the line of scrimmage, other than Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers does more at the line of scrimmage than anybody else ever other than Peyton Manning. Mm. And so you need a veteran guy that you know is going to be back there and know, wait, I've been in here before. I, oh, wait, there's four seconds on the play clock, and he's changing the play, and he gave a signal. Oh, I got it. Boom, boom, boom. I can do that, right? you got to trust, hey, he's going to know where to go and blitz pick up. So the Jets were already contender. This is kind of icing on the cake and maybe then some. But the Jets, I think as I said to you on Monday, I know I said this to Florio, they're at a point where the O-line is really the only thing we're questioning here as of right now. And whether the, and then you go through all the other positions, and it's just top-notch after top-notch after top-notch. And I just said it, and as I more and more I think about this, and I know I said this to you off-air on Monday, uh, as I formulate who I think is going to make the playoffs, I just have a hard time as I think about it more and more saying, I, 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 I'm going to pick the Jets to be one of those teams. I'm not saying I'm picking them, pick them to win the AFC East. But there's just too much good. It's getting to the point where if it was mid-December and I didn't pick the Jets to go to the playoffs and they were going to the playoffs, I'd go, you're such an idiot, Chris. You're overthinking it, bastard, trying to think of, like, what? what, the defense is good. They got a quarterback. Like, come on. I'm just going to go with the basics there. And, uh, yeah, I think the Jets are going to be in the thick of things. You're not picking them to win the division necessarily, but wait a week because I do feel like your love (laughs) of the Jets is growing by the week. I got to see that O-line. I do have to see that. It's the one element. It's the one element. It was a problem in Carolina. It sounds like it was a problem at practice on Tuesday a little bit. You know, I didn't watch the second episode of Hard Knocks. I know Salah calls the O-line out a little bit there. Mm. So that's obviously, you know, the the part of the team that's being questioned by everybody. Well, they're not going to be getting a guy like Zach Martin. The 32-year-old got what he wanted. He got paid. He got, what, an extra $8 million basically by holding out. I didn't think NFL players could do that. I don't think they had that kind of leverage anymore, especially a guy that signed an $84 million deal just a, a few years ago. Right. And got it restructured just this spring. That's right. Right. We were talking about that and just in March. So that, that's what was odd about this altogether. This is what I, I know I was proposing from the start, right? I never thought he was going to get some big extension, five more years and huge money. But, like, let's find a sweet spot. Let's make it respectable for the player. The player is still one of the best at his position. Let's at least close the gap to where he's not being blown away by the top two guys at the position. And then you're like, whoa, there's Zach Martin in eighth or ninth place here on the, on the guard list. He deserves to be up there by Quentin Nelson, our man Lindstrom in, in, uh, in, in, in Atlanta and all that. So they did that. They brought him up to that category. And they did it the right way, too, just adding some sweetener to it. You're not stuck with them long term. You didn't have to sign some huge salary bonus, signing, you know, guaranteed money, any of that. And I thought that made a lot of sense. I didn't know. I did wonder if they would draw a line in the sand and maybe really play tough. You know, I think their O-line is good enough to where they could have been still a good O-line with Zach Martin. I'm not saying they would have been as good, mm. but they could have made do. Of course, with Zach Martin, they, they border great with their potential when, if everybody's healthy. And you got Tyron Smith at left tackle healthy, right? And now Tyler Smith gets to play guard because of that. And now Zach Martin at the other guard. And Terrence Steele, who played well last year. So that's their best group there. And you get that. And then I think the other thing, too, that at least comes to my mind in that conversation, right? 
uh, yeah, four million each year. The next two years to close the gap, like we talk about. We 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 always kind of laugh and make fun of Jerry Jones a little bit, right? Because hey, he's getting old. It's it's down. He he wants to get a championship before he he croaks and dies, right? I'm being funny there, and just yeah. but but the pressure's there is what I'm trying to say, and. He's probably going. Wait, is it is it is it really worth me losing that chance to get the Super Bowl because of four million dollars the next you know next two years? I'm sure he came to that determination, and then the more time went on, I bet you they went. Wait, wait, we play in the NFC East. The Giants have an unbelievable defensive tackle duo. The Eagles have an unbelievable defensive tackle. Quattro, I don't know, you know, what the hell is the word you'd say there? There's four of them there that you'd go, watch out, holy crap. And then the Washington Commanders maybe have the best duo of all. That is true. Right? And then you look at their schedule and you go, oh, it's Giants. And then, oh, whoa, it's week two. It's the Jets and Quinn and Williams and that D-line and all that. You know, they're going to have to play the 49ers early on in the football season and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. And I think he probably went, okay, you know, I'll just take two or three diamonds off the toilet seat in my super mega yacht and I'll give Zach Martin a little more, you know, a little more money so so we can maybe win the Super Bowl here. And I think they found the right balance for both sides. It does seem like that, that if you have one of those offensive lines that is above league average, it's just like that. there's so many great defensive lines and defensive tackles, and we know their names more than we do the offensive we line do. right exactly now. exactly right. So even if Zach Martin is not what he used to be or at the, the level that he used to be at, it's like those are the very replacement's not as good right now. Yeah, it's not. No, no, you're right, and he is still really good. It's year 10, right? That's where it was tough. I understand Dallas going, wait, we don't want to give you a, a three- or four-year extension with huge money, and we're probably going to have to pay Dak Prescott again. I'm going to have to probably make Michael Parsons maybe the highest or top three highest defensive player paid players in football. C.D. Lamb's coming down the pipe here for a huge contract. So that was a tough situation for Dallas, but good job by the Joneses getting it done. All right, we got some preseason leftovers as well, some players maybe we didn't touch on on Monday that the homies want to know about. We'll start with Drew Locke, Hawk's, Hawkstrologer. Our guy. Hawk, hello, Hawk. How did Drew Locke look on Thursday? So uh, he did look, he looked pretty good from the highlights that I saw. I was like, that guy looks like a guy that, you know, you liked coming out of college. I like his talent. Always had talent. Right. It was like, is he going to be able to harness it exactly. and get it in a positive direction? Right. Not be a knucklehead. Not think he's like, <laughs> can that, you know, going to throw the ball into a tight window into triple coverage. Right. Those are the things we've complained about a little bit. Like, hey, have a feel for the game. It's a defensive struggle. Why are you trying to fit that ball in down the field and do that right there? You know, he's had those mistakes. He played like, like he did the other night. You know, that they would have had to sweat it out last year with who wins the competition between Geno and Drew Locke, hmm. right? I mean, one, his talent is real. You see that. I think he just, for me, comfortable, smooth, was accurate with the football. I thought he looked really freaking good. Now, he threw one of those bonehead interceptions. He did. A little bit where you're like, damn, you're playing so good and you've done so many good things. How did you throw that interception? Right? I don't know what he was doing. It looked like he was maybe trying to look something off and then kind of tried to come back quickly blind to a spot. And there was a guy there. But, you know, both touchdown passes. The first one, I think it was the first one down the middle, right? He threads the needle. He shows you his arm power and accuracy there. 
threw a few nice touch balls. The second touchdown was a nice touch ball. Little slot receiver fade. He had the swing route of the backfield to the back. That was nice. Or, you know, the wheel route up the right sideline. He threw a deep crosser at one point to one of the tight ends. I mean, I think the encouraging thing for that is right is Drew Lack. Like you said, we know he's got talent. He's got starting quarterback caliber talent, and they're a team right now that's ready. And what you can feel good about is, hey, if Geno Smith got banged up with that offense and the talent they got, they don't have to take the foot off the gas pedal or play some conservative style of football because they don't trust Drew Drew Locke. Hopefully he can be in that trust tree to where they can open it up and feel just as free as they do with Geno. 17-24, 191 yards and those two touchdowns for Drew Locke. Yeah, pretty good in preseason game number one. Let's take a look at some of the the rookies that we maybe didn't discuss on Monday. Yeah, cool. Let's start with a sixth overall pick by the Arizona Cardinals. Out of Ohio State, Paris Johnson. What'd you see from him? Just like a guy that right off the bat looked like, and again, I didn't. I'm not going to lie and say I watched this on film. I didn't. This is TV scouting, but I, I watched the, the the start of this game and a good amount of this game. Just like we've had years of last year, Iki Aquanu. Evan Neal, first game, whoa, doesn't look quite that great. Ooh, they're feeling it out. They're not used to this. Paris Johnson just looked like he was like, what? Uh, uh, this is Big Ten, and I dominate once again. I mean, that that's what it looked like to me. I don't, he looks even more aggressive and just – twitchy and poppy too I don't I don't know what it is but damn he looked good in the NFL uniform and yeah he looked like one of these guys that just looks like it's gonna hit the ground running and it's not gonna be a learning curve that he might be dominant from get-go uh so that I think is the the encouraging thing for them and that being that you know Eagles ex-defensive coordinator Monty Ossenfort coming from New England and Tennessee tackles a big deal for them. They, they, they start the franchise with the tackles a lot of the times, right? We're going to start right there. And, and I think they got one for, for a long time, it looks like, in Paris Johnson. What's kind of cool is I'm getting a little overlap now because I'm doing Big Ten coming up here in yeah. like two and a half weeks. Right. So we've been talking a lot about the players who are at the Big Ten schools currently. But – I know for Ohio State, there is some worry that you know they've lost a lot on the offensive line. Paris yeah. Johnson being one of those. Yeah, and that and the might other be, kid, Jones, the other tackle. Might be one of the weaker parts of sure. the team this year. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Paris Johnson will be missed lost in Ohio the State. Lost the center. Center got drafted, too. Their loss is yep. the Cardinals' gain here. Uh, Penn State's got a similar situation. They're talking about a new quarterback, Drew Aller, over there, who they say has higher potential than Sean Clifford had when I, he was over I, there at yeah, Penn State. Yeah, he looked like it last year in the few clips I saw. I mean, I saw, you know, he came in a few times during the game last year, and I went, ooh, this, this fucker can throw it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he looks like. So Sean Clifford was taken in the fifth round by the Green Bay Packers and looked pretty good, 20-26, 200 yards, had a touchdown, did have a couple interceptions. One was a pick six. Uh, Coach Magnet says to you, what did you think of Sean Clifford's performance for the Packers and thoughts on the overblown hype over Justin Fields' perfect passing performance? So I think we talked a little bit. Of, he wanted to get a jab there at the Bears, which <laughs> I like. I appreciate <laughs> Packer that. fan wanted. I appreciate Let me just that. get on that a little bit. So, <laughs> we'll leave that because we talked a little bit about yeah, the Yeah, we did. That, that was three time. for three. Yeah, yeah, it's overblown, sure. Like we said, I mean, it's a great thing. Yeah. I'm sure they came away a little bit going, damn, I wish we didn't score that easily so we could have got some more throws for Justin Fields. Sure. Yeah. But they're still in they're not going to be mad. And, yeah, it was a little overblown for what people just seeing the stat line. That's what's funny, right? Th- did I say this? Like, my bro- my son came in. Yes. He's like, I did say this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Justin Fields is tearing it up. Look at his numbers, Dad. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, you want to see what he did? <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so Clifford did throw the ball 26 times. What did you think of him and how he looked in those nine drives? He might have been 
the shock of week one for me. Whoa. He might have been, yeah, as far as pleasant surprise, like I told you before the show, like when I first saw him in there, I was like, who is this guy? Because he doesn't look like the guy at Penn State. I had to literally pull up the roster and wait, go, wait. This is the Sean Clifford from Penn State that used to wear 14, right? Because I was like, the throwing motion looks different. The way his body looks looks different. How he stands and hops around the pocket is different. Like, they got their back up there. I mean, he looks like they might have a guy that, I mean, he's got maybe some starting quarterback potential that I didn't think I saw in him coming out. Mm. One, I mean, the 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 quickness and his release and the way I mean it's it's Rodgers and he's got the whole Brett Favre look going that way and the feet are wide he kind of reminded me of Matt Hasselback that's who he really reminded me of right maybe a faster version of him a sure. little but I just went wow and then the way he was going through reads at such a pace in the pocket I mean it told me he knew the offense like the back of his hand and then he was made a few throws where you know you hear me all like you know Joe Burrow he looks at one and he barely looks at two and he's throwing it and you're like how did he even dissect that already there was a little of that going on mm. where I just was like wow he's seeing the field in a way and knows where to go with the ball let alone he's changed his release in the way he throws the football not only is a quicker and more flowing without me getting technical, but he's able to throw the ball harder. I mean, I would have never used the word lasers with any of his throws when I evaluated him at Penn State. And he threw a few balls in this game where I went, wow, Mofo's throwing it over here, right? So they got a they got a backup here that I think they can really go, wait, we got somebody for the future. And I think they got to a point here too where if they just felt like Jordan Love didn't work this year, if it continues to look like that, that right there, they're going to go – they're not going to be scared to pull the trigger and bring him in if Jordan Love starts wow. to stumble and do stuff like that. Hmm. That's just the way it looked to me. He threw the two interceptions. The pick six was not great. He, he kind of tried to do what I – you know, look here, come over and throw it almost blind as you're throwing it, dissect it, and the guy picked it, and that was bad by him. The second pick – it was a bang, bang. He kind of threw it. The guy had great coverage. He tried to put it in the guy's chest, and the defender got his hands in the chest, too, and took the ball. So what? That happens. But the look, again, don't always be stat-driven. The look, the way he moved, the quickness in his feet and release, the throws. I really like the way wow. Sean Clifford looked. I'm starting to think you watched the wrong guy at Penn State. Like it's not <laughs> right? the same person that you watched. Because how would that transformation be that drastic this in is, this short of time? This is the thing that I am still adjusting to in my life where I stand quarterbacks there was a time we can go 15 years ago 10 years ago for that matter where you could watch them on film and go "Mm, they don't throw that good they're not that natural man there's a lot of work to be done and you could almost go they're not going to be able to overcome it they're not going to get there's just not enough out there to help them to, to find the right people now the sport has become so popular quarterback has become so popular like we talk about all the time Seven on seven everywhere for young kids, high schoolers, all year round. Don't even have to play another sport. Can play flag football in the the winter, spring, and fall. Doesn't even matter. And then, of course, because it's such big business, there's a quarterback coach on every corner in America now, Mm -hmm. right? And 
there's a good amount of them that have a clue and know what they're talking about. And we're seeing guys where I would go, oh, I don't know if it's in him to be a natural thrower or do that. I'm seeing them make adjustments quicker than ever before. And, it's, of course, I even said that to you during the, the draft evaluation. It's made me change how I evaluate a little bit. Just because assumption that they might get some good coaching, they might get some good coaching and they'll they'll figure it out and also get good coaching when they get outside the NFL locker room and go see specialists here and there to where they'll improve themselves in a way where I would say, like I said, 15, 20 years ago, you just you couldn't you wouldn't think that would happen with certain guys. Who's their quarterbacks coach right now? Tom Clements. He's been around forever. I mean, that's remember Rodgers wanted him back. So that's what he looks Rodgers and Hasselback ish to me. And, and the way he pops and moves and, you know, like this, he's he's in the pocket and there's a little bit like, oh, oh no, he wasn't open, but he's always ready and got the ball cocked and ready to go and throw it. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, I, I thought really, really impressive that's by Sean cool. Clifford. All right, yeah. Another quarterback who was drafted in the fourth round. So a round ahead of Sean Clifford was Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, drafted by the Saints. Six drives he got in the preseason, 10 of 17, 105 yards. Was this also a completely different man than you had scouted in college? No, this oh, okay. was the, exactly the guy. Okay. Jake Hayner would be along one of the guys that we talked about a little bit, these guys who had a ton of reps and played a ton in college, and they just got it, and they got a natural feel for the game. That's what Hayner is. Hayner just got he, – he's got it. He understands how to play quarterback. It's not going to ever blow you away, right? You're never going to be like, whoa, that was a vapor trail. Whoa, he can run really well. He doesn't run well. It's one of those where you expect, you're like, wait, he's this size and he doesn't run well? Like, what the hell? How can he do this? But he's great at moving the pocket. He's got great feel for how to, you know, change an arm angle, anticipation. He has all the other things to where, you know, Jake Hayner, to me, I look at that as one of those guys. He, he could be your backup quarterback for the next 12 years, right? And, you know, hold, a, hold down the fort for a two- or three-game span every season here or there to help your team get over a quarterback injury. But, uh, yeah, another one where, you know, he's not going to be the backup this year, but this is probably be the last year Jameis Winston's there as a starting sure. quarterback. And then he's firmly entrenched as the backup between, behind Derek Carr, you know, for the next few years. Yeah, and you showed some love to Jake Hayner when we were talking about right. those quarterbacks that you were scouting. You showed a a lot of love to Ivan Pace Jr., Uh-oh. the linebacker out of Cincinnati. West Kruger goes, what did scouts miss on linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. for the Vikings, and how will Flores be able to use him? So he was undrafted out of Cincinnati, even though he was your fifth best linebacker in the draft. So we're getting close to scoring one for the Chris Sims scouting department I hope here. so. I hope so. Uh, he, looked, he looked good. He, he's just a physical football player. He looks different than most other players out there linebackers he's yeah. a bowling ball he is but he popped he's explosive his read and react skills are real and he's fearless and that middle linebacker and the right scheme that's all you need sometimes you know this is a they're going to use him they're not going to expect him to like you know be like some old new england linebacker or giants linebacker and be like take on pulling guards and hold your ground and you know two gap and linebacker right that's not what he is he's a hey there's a hole fly and get the ball and and he is the perfect case again too ahmed where i just go it's like it's it's prejudice against certain teams and players in college football. I want to go, if he was on Alabama, he gets drafted in the mid-round. But since it was Cincinnati and they don't have a lot of linebackers, I mean, he was a little smaller than Tio, to, Tio 
Tio Tioto, remember? Oh, the yeah. linebacker who I also liked from out. It yep. wasn't like drastically smaller. In fact, I think he weighed more and was like an inch shorter, an inch and a half. Maybe you can look that up or see the sure. – but it wasn't that big of a difference. But, but you know, again, that's, that's what happens. And, of course, size does scare – people in the NFL when you're that small at that position and if they feel like they didn't get to see you doing it against a ton of NFL offensive linemen and stuff like that, then it's double scared, right? An Alabama guy, everyone goes, well, I saw him play against Florida and LSU and they had NFL offensive linemen and he was okay, right? So that's where they get the benefit of the doubt. But I, I think the is the, the smarts, the explosion – the ferociousness, and you know, you always hear me say, the no hesitation. That's what I liked about him. Mm-hmm. There was, hey, coach, run through the wall. Uh, you want me to run through the wall? Yes, sir. And he's already running through the wall. Like, it's just, that's what a middle linebacker has to be. And then he's getting coached by a guy in Brian Flores who is going to not put him in some of the spots that he knows are bad for him. And he's going to continue to encourage his natural instincts. And uh, I played with a guy in Tennessee, Stephen Tullock. He was like, same type of build. He was like, I mean, five nine and a half, five ten and a half, two thirty something. And when you saw him at first, you were like, "Wait, is that our? Is that a third down running back? Or what the hell is that yeah. guy? What? He's our middle linebacker." But again, when you are smart, and then you can accelerate to that ability where you can go, "Wait, he's standing in the middle linebacker, and he can get to the gap between the tackle and the tight end." in like three steps and be there in a flash and then bring the pain as far as hitting the ball, you start to realize, okay, yeah, all right, if a lineman gets their hands on him, he's not the best. But a lot of the other areas of the game, he excels. And so we're going to have to we're gonna have to deal with that. So To'o To'o. Yeah. Measured was, at 6'2", 228. Was he 6'2", 228? Damn, maybe what? I'm thinking of somebody else that I'm getting mixed up with. Maybe I am. And then Ivan Pace is what, 5'9 and a half, 5'10 five, and a half? 5'10 and a half. Okay. And okay. like 235. Okay, so he was a little heavier. I was right about that. There was, you know what, there's another smaller linebacker I think I'm getting him confused with from our draft process, and I can't think of it right now. There was one other one maybe that was. Maybe it was a 6'1", toe, oh, toe, oh, so. Yeah, maybe. Okay. That's Good like job. three inches, but. Yeah. Pace has got a little more weight to him. Yeah. So, well, my point was my point. He, he's drafted if he plays in Alabama. I would say that. Yeah. Uh, the height thing is a little bit more than than I remembered. Sorry about that. Another pick by the Vikings was their fifth round running back out of North Carolina, Ty Chandler. I, you know, I know there's a lot of talk up there in Minnesota about you know, hey, the running back and Madison is it going to be as good as Dalvin Cook? And no, I, I don't expect it to be as good as you know Dalvin Cook, right? But I, I mean, eleven carries, forty-one yards for Chandler in the game. It's the way he ran. It's the way he looks. I think that's the big thing to me. You know, watching him out there and you know, Seattle was, you know, they had some. Not all their starters, but some guys playing in that football game there. I mean, it's just the ferociousness in what he ran. It was, again, a physicality and explosion when he hit the line of scrimmage that I went, this guy's going to be able to to bring something to the table here for them this year. Like, they're going to be able to depend on him. So he was a guy that certainly popped him to me to look like, hey, he's an NFL dependable running back. And behind him is – or behind Madison – you know, I think it's there's nobody there locked in in stone as far as who we expect to be the second guy there, and I would think he's got a chance to to be that guy. So you know, we're seeing somewhat 
in the preseason again why running backs are having such a hard time. Right. Because right? there's a fifth-round right. running back. And then we got another question here from MMA-born sender. Damn okay for Elijah Dotson, undrafted free agent by the Chargers, a running back, found our next undrafted stud. Six carries, 92 yards, and two touchdowns in that preseason game against the Rams. Yeah, Um it's just it's 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 the the running backs hurt the running backs cause here. The kid looked good. I mean the kid just on the two long runs, right? It was easy speed to bounce it outside and turn the corner for touchdowns. Where, you know, it's just it's rare to see somebody, hey, he bounced it outside, he goes around the edge and then nobody can nobody lays a finger on him. On one of the runs they you know, he gets hit at like the two yard line and then gets in the end zone. But that you know, has a little size, right? He's like six foot, you know, looks like he can handle a little contact. That's probably something he's going to continue to have to get better on is not trust the, that speed all the time, not always look to bounce. But, yeah, they got something there too. And they're they're an interesting one as well just because they're a team where you go, you know, I know they got the kid from Texas A&M behind Austin Eckler, but is, is, is that written in stone where he's definitely, you know, the backup? Uh, Isaiah Spiller, you know, is it Joshua Kelly or does Elijah Dotson have another game like that this preseason? And they start to go, damn, okay, we got to put that guy as our backup running back when Austin Eckler's out of the game. Yeah, he went to Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado. And then there's another running back who's not in a rundown here, but I saw with the Packers, Emmanuel Wilson, who showed some speed, and he came out of undrafted out of Fort Valley State. It's where are these guys coming. I from? know. I know what. And the other thing that's crazy about running back, right? We know the ones that are got stats and play for big schools there or go to the combine and put up big numbers. And then we go, whoa, whoa we got to look at this guy again. Right. Yeah. There's also the element of, you know, the running back who. Yeah, his pro day wasn't that great, but I don't know when you put pads on and you give him the ball, all of a sudden he finds a gear that you just you can't account for. And that's where, like, real contact situations are important for football players in general, but especially the running back. One, they got to get used to contact. But two, you know, it's a different game. Some guys thrive in the, you know, seven on seven. We're just wearing our helmets and and look at me. I'm making everybody miss and you can't touch me in a two-hand touch game, right? Great. That's great. But other guys are just going, wait till we put the pads on. Because now when people actually hit me, they, I, I'm going to stay up. And that yeah. guy that's the seven-on-seven seven superstar over there, he's going to trip the first time somebody touches his shoelace, and he's not going to get you any extra yards. And that's what you find out about these guys through the preseason. Troubling for a Lions fan that you have these running backs popping for the Vikings and the the Your Green guy Bay popped. Packers. He's in my notes. Oh, Jameer Gibbs. He, he popped did. for me. He did. He looked good. He, I, I got no doubts about him. So you don't – and I saw enough on clips and social media and through the Lions website to go, don't you worry, no, he everybody. No, he he looked, yeah. That's not what made me worry. I was just worried about stopping those other running backs. But the Lions D-line looked pretty good against your Giants. Drew Claiborne says to you, is the Lions D-line depth real or is the G-men O-line depth that bad? Ooh. Well, I think there's one. His point about the Giants O-line depth, I, I think it's a, that's, that's fair to question that. I, I don't know how awesome some of those second guys are and, and you know, really how dependable they they would be in, in a real game situation. The, the, the Giants might be a little top-heavy as far as the starters are concerned in, in that department. But I think the other part of that question is 
one of the questions we got, right? We talked about it. I mean, I, Zach Pascal was the guy I said, not Zach Pascal, Josh Pascal. Yeah. He's got a pop. Is it the, is it Levi o- Ozarenki. Yep. Those were guys that were on my list for a potential, hey, we got to watch them in the preseason. Drew mentioned that Levi was a F the playoff. He was a guy. game wrecker. He was. You saw him a lot during the football game. So, no, I think there's potential here with this Detroit Lions defensive line. You know I like the middle guys and how they stout, are stout against the run. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, both Oquaro's got a little potential. Pascal could be a game wrecker and versatile DND tackle type. And same with Onzerike. So, I just I, we, we got to see a little bit more. But, like, I'd be encouraged by that. I don't care if it's the first team, the second team, or whatever there. That, that, was, that was damn good. Yeah, we're getting a look at the second-string players, and the 49ers fans probably did not like what they saw from some of those second-string players. Alexander MD says, should the Niners be worried if any second-string players have to start this season? Top to bottom looked awful. Well, you know, it was it was a, a weird game. I, I, I think awful is maybe a little bit, you know, I don't know, a little harsh, okay? Bad. It looked yeah, bad. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't great, but, like, again, these are the things – that are hard about the current NFL environment. Yeah, I mean the 49ers are they are probably a, they're a little top heavy. Sure. You know, most of the really good teams in football are. You get stuck into where hey, we've been good for a while, you know, you got to pay certain guys, keep them there, do all that. They've tried to pick and choose where they're deep at. Right? D-line, they're pretty deep. O-line? No, they're not. And why is that? Well, they got a credible tight end they got to pay. They're playing a running back. They're paying the receivers, right? They got some defensive guys. They're about to pay Bosa and make him, you know, the richest guy in football and, and the defensive side of the ball, right? So where have they cut the fat a little bit? Well, they go. That's where you get into, I think, the second team O line. And that's, you know, I could picture Shanahan and him wanting to do that just because he's going, wait, I'm smart. I'll figure out ways if we don't have our full group here to, you know, come up with another creative run or pass or whatever to hide that group to a degree. To me, where I look at with the 49ers cut the fat or maybe cut corners and don't have great depth on their roster is, yeah, maybe a little bit with the O-line, right, which can make a, can make a preseason game look real bad in a hurry. And then maybe the, the corners. Corners are another one. I think those are two areas when I look at the 49ers where I would say I don't think Shanahan and Lynch want to pay big money, you know, to to the corner position. And they're trusting in Kyle that he can make up for maybe the greatest backups in the at the line position and, and he'll do it because of his great game planning. What about their kicker though? Four Niners seven oh one. So some guys, <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. the biggest adjustment a kicker has to make coming from college to the NFL? Jake Moody for the Niners worried me Sunday. Are the balls different or is it just the magnitude of the NFL? So he had two field goals, missed them both, was a kicker out of Michigan. Yeah. Who was good. Like Jim Harbaugh is like this guy is like Phenomenal. the best kicker I've ever right. had. Never right. missed in college, then misses his first two in the preseason. It's going to, I mean, they got to play it cool with a kicker. Oh, boy. Well, you got to play it cool. You know, I saw Shanahan was like trying to say, like, hey, I'm not worried about it, all that. That's what you got to do. They, it's the only ones that always have to hear the outside noise, the pressure. It's all about pressure. It's not a reactionary position in football. He used a third round pick on it. I know, you know, Robbie Gold's gone and and they that's been a, a slam dunk, you know, make for the last 4 or 5 years with him there in San Francisco. Um I'm not concerned yet. The magnitude is real. 
Again, I know Ohio State and Michigan and all that are those big football games. But I'm just telling you, you get it in the NFL where it's just grown man and then the intensity and it's fight for your life and it's fight for your job and it's fight to get paid by your family. It is different. It is. Let alone, you know, the coaches are more blunt. You're hearing words and things said to players where you're like, whoa, they didn't say that in college. Even Jim Harbaugh didn't say that, right? And, yeah, I think there's nerves there. So let's, let's give it another week or two. Let's just see here. If we go to this week and he's one for three or one for two, yeah. I'll start to be like, oh, gosh, they might have to bring somebody in just in case, at least to get somebody ready. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I, I, they don't want to do that. Shanahan goes after the game. It's unfortunate because I know the pressure on him and everyone's looking and I know he missed those two today. He's been great in practice. See, he hits them all. All right. So he's leaning on that. He's going to lean on the body of work. Maybe and, he's the practice. Coach. And he's, well, he's, gonna, he's just the guy that keeps in practice. <laughs> he's going right? to chalk he's it, it up to nerves. Yeah. And the, and the game and we'll see. And, and I would think this week that he handles that better. And, you know, you want to impress everybody. You uh-huh. want to. Sh- I mean, there's so many things that go into to that right there. We've seen Isaiah Simmons in the league, but maybe now uh, a little bit different position for him and Zayvon Collins with the Cardinals. Right. A question from Tanner Morris. Thoughts on the Cardinals moving Isaiah Simmons to safety and Zayvon Collins to edge rusher. What up, Tanner? Um, Tanner, yeah. Like, good question, Tanner. It is a good question. And when I saw Isaiah Simmons like back there at first, I was like, wait, is this just a one play thing? Like, you know, just a wrinkle. And then you started to realize like, oh, no, he's like fucking playing safety every play. It's safety, period. That's what he's doing. Zayvon Collins. Yeah. On the edge. I, I think they've came to the determination that they're not middle of the field, ball hawking middle linebackers, right? Zayvon Collins, I like him. He was a guy that kind of did both in college. He did a lot of the edge stuff. He's very natural rushing the passer. They don't have great pass rushers there at Arizona, so I could see them wanting to do that, let alone I think there were some things probably to question about his middle linebacker play anyways. The same with Isaiah Simmons. A lot of, hey, they look good. They're athletic. But you know what I what I would think there is one not totally naturals at the position all the way, two not the psycho killer no hesitation guys that I would think a Jonathan Gannon likes. One Kazir White was in his defense last year, so that that gives him a great advantage, and that that's why he wants him there. You know, Chris Barnes, same type of thing, traditional ball hawking, you know, bring it middle linebacker. And then I think when you can address another need as far as, wait, we can put this guy on the edge and he can stop the run a little bit there and rush the passer. Okay, we can get our best 11 on the field. And Isaiah Simmons, yeah, him taking on guards and getting off blocks and doing stuff like that at middle linebacker, that's just not for him. He's a space guy. You know, let him be a safety. Let him have the incredible range and length in the back back, back end of the field there. You get a toss sweep. I mean, him running up for extra support, he'll be there in a, in a jiff, right? And, and I, I think they're just trying to find their best 11 on the field. Yeah. So now you what? They can put him at safety with a boot or, and, or, or put him at safety and have Jalen Thompson at the other safety and then what? Put Buda Baker at nickel? Like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, or flip it around. I'm and looking put, at a depth chart right yeah. now that has Isaiah Simmons as the nickel. I know. I don't. Th- I don't know if he'll do that. I don't know if he's good enough in coverage for what this defense will ask. Right. So I could see him being a true free safety, 
maybe he and Buda Baker are the traditional guys, and then maybe Jalen Thompson is the nickel Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or whatever. I would think they're going to try their best to make sure those three are on the field, though. All right, we got a question from Honold Blake. Honold Blake, right? Honold Schwarzenegger. Hey, Honold. <laughs> uh, he wants an early damn okay. Who was the defensive standout of the weekend? He gives you three choices. Did he give these choices, or Pete, did you give these choices? Oh, we're putting these in. So these are players that that yeah. uh, that you've talked to. Pete these are about ones he's heard me talk about. In contention, right? Uh, the ones are Patriots edge Keon White, Seahawks edge Derek Hall, Buccaneers edge Yaya Diaby. Yeah, there's. I mean, at Honald Blake, damn okay to all three of those. Okay, Honald. I mean, first off, Keon White was the first. Like, wait, who was the guy in C.J. Stroud's lap every play here to start the game? Whoa, that's Keon White. I mean, they unlock something there. He, you know, he played in the interior mainly at Georgia Tech. Here he got to be defense end, and there's less thinking, and it's just go. And, like, I, I did not see that coming like that. So that was definitely a shocker. He was unblockable early on in that football game. Derek Hall from Auburn. You might remember me talking about him a little bit oh, during yeah. the draft process, right? I thought coming off the edge, he was every bit. I thought he and, and Byron Young from Tennessee were better than, than Will Anderson coming off the edge, first step explosion, all that. It, it showed in the game the other night. He's real. And, you know, not only his ability to run and, and, you know, go attack the football, but as a pass rusher, man, it looked like, you know, coming around the edge or another play he had where he had like a little twist stunt and he came up the middle and got a hit on the quarterback where I just went, man, he's going to contribute. And he looks like an NFL defense alignment already. So there's not going to be a learning curve there. And then Yaya Diaby, you know, he was kind of a combine freak, uh, a little raw in college, on the ground, maybe a little too much, probably played out of position a little bit, but watching that game back he's another one he's going to contribute to that defense I'm not saying he's starting or anything like that sure. but looks the part pops can turn the edge uh and I know that you know from some people down there that they've kind of been excited by what he's done so far Diaby was one of those early players at the draft combine who right. did some things that turn people's heads like wow yeah edge guys don't usually run like those, that yeah, run or like have that, and that big of muscles exactly. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> so maybe it translates into the NFL uh, hopefully for sure yeah uh did you see this Garrett Wilson kind of trolling Sean Sean Payton. So we get a question here from Amiri Jet says, what do you guys think of Garrett Wilson trolling Sean Payton and the Broncos? And he goes, shout out to Ahmed. He doesn't get enough credit for everything he does. Damn. Oh, what? Amir, Way to go, Amir. Yes, Way I to go, Amir. That. You're yeah. right. I don't get enough okay. credit. Yep. You know, shout so. out to Matthew Berry. He was already a half hour late. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, yet, but, but uh, shout we, out to him. Uh, <laughs> just hashtag. Ass he's expected. on his way. Yes, yeah, he, Pete says he, he's on his way. He's always on his way. Um, <laughs> even when he's not on his way. Uh, but yeah. the, the fantasy segment that was will, be funny. Sh- will be shorter. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, Amiri, thank you for that. I was like, I didn't really put it together. Florio kind of brought it up, and I was like, oh, it, yeah, so, I guess he is trolling so him. So here it, it is. And I guess Sean Payton has rules in the preseason. like No. No sunglasses. No, yeah. like, Gilligan's Island, like, bucket cap. No taking your uniform off and hanging the sideline, right? So these are, like, the Sean Payton preseason rules. Right. And then in an interview – uh, during the game, Garrett Wilson basically did all of them. Right, he did the interview. Obviously, he had the sunglasses on. He had the bucket hat on. Um, what, what, what do you what do you make of that? This is this is becoming one of the better rivalries in all of the NFL. Oh, Jets this, and Broncos. this will be legit chippy. And and week was that week five? This will be yeah, right? It, like legit. I mean, you know, first off, funny. It, and again, it shows you they they got their coaches back. You know, the, their team is seems like it's a very close knit group right now. 
Um, but but yeah, just just funny. I like that it adds to it. And I, I mean, I'm dead serious. I mean, this is Sean Payton. Sean Payton is chippy. His team will be chippy. The Saints were chippy. Yeah. You know, he was Bounty Gate coach, right? Yeah. And I'm not judging by that anyways. I mean, I you know, Bounty Gate stuff is very common back in that time. Uh, he shouldn't have been singled out, really. But and then Robert Sala, I mean, oh yeah. I mean, is also a psycho. Can be good. And I know from, you know, they they were mad at that thing. They wanted to go scorched earth. On Garrett Wilson. They wanted, I mean, on, on Sean Payton. They did. They had, they were holding back players from tweeting stuff. And that, I mean, all they were like, let's just, whoa, let's just wait till week five. Yeah. So that'll be real. That was like Garrett that Wilson's silent protest. What do you right. make of those rules for Sean Payton, though, in the preseason? Well, he's just, you know, yeah, well, he's from Bill Parcells' school of coaching. This ain't like sit back there and chew the gum and eat some fucking hot dogs and just yuck it up. Guys are out here fighting for their lives. Support them. Be a team, right? Be professional. I understand that. He's trying to set that, you know, culture that way, and, and the that's way the way he does it. To the to the Gilligan hat, too. Right. And some of it almost seems like in good fun, too. I, I don't know for I, I, sure, but... If they win two Super Bowls and go 14-3 and three both years, yeah. I promise you that third year, you're going to see guys in Gilligan's hat and sunglasses on the sidelines. Because you go, okay, the culture's set. We're good now, right? Yeah. You know, I'd like to go back and see in, like, New Orleans days, were, were some of those guys at the end there when they were kind of establishing, were there any of them? I want to go back and look to make sure they weren't wearing the Gilligan hat or the sunglasses or any of that. <laughs> what, what does he have against the bucket hat? Like, why that of all things? Things. I guess like, it's just like the chill hat, right? That's it's, like what the injured guy does at practice. It's like the annoying hat where you're like, oh gosh, he's not he's not here to work. He's today. not locked in, right? Uh, we got some Peter, Peter, Peter. So Pete always has got his eyes on kickers and punters here, and so he's been watching that with a keen eye in week number one of the preseason so far. And we did see three punt return touchdowns in preseason week number one. Now all of last regular season there were three punt return touchdowns. Uh, there was just one punt return touchdown in the preseason last year, so it's not just like it's a preseason thing. Uh, Pete says maybe an anomaly, but he is keeping his eye on it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where this is going to go. You know, I what know it would that, be different. Anything? I mean, there's no different punt rules necessarily this year. No, no. I mean, you know, the kickoff return thing, as far as if you fair catch it, you know, inside the 25 kickoff or anything. For sure. Yeah. Um, but but that that even in itself i don't i don't know where that's going to go i know everybody says there might be unintended consequences my unintended consequences wait you're going to give Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow the ball at the 25 every time if you just fair catch it if i was the coaches of those teams i'd be like fucking fair catch it yeah fair catch it cuz one completion with these field goal kickers now and you're in field goal territory with those guys hey we're at the other team's 48 it's only 63 yards from here I mean, we're getting to the range, right? You know, high 50s are, are nothing for these guys. Um, but I think what you're going to continue to see in the preseason is there's limited chances to get these reps and work on certain things, too. And they're going to they're gonna err right now on returning the kick. They're yeah, going to tell true. the guys, return the kick. This is our chance to work, get on film, coach other guys who might not even be out there so they can see it. And it's, it's a learning jump off. And uh, we're all doing that. Like, hey, we've all learned that when you ask Matthew Berry to do things, he's going to be late by a half hour right. or so or even to show up. And here we are. I mean, it's 28 minutes Man. and he's here. 1045 means 1113 <clears throat> to Matthew Berry. Matthew is. Woo! He always 
always baby. shows up. It's just you he know, always shows up. Always right. Shows I mean, up. I can't be mad. This guy has not shown up to his own show on time, so it's not personal to me. He is famous for not getting on set for his own damn show. No, he's famous for more than that. Oh uh, well, you know, yes, the, way more the than tesseracts. <laughs> Come on, get over here, Matthew. Let's we need a chair on. first I'm off. Anybody? This, yeah, we need a chair. We need a microphone. Uh, I, I thought this could be a problem. You, right? we, we wanted. We I, he didn't know you were in the Avengers Endgame. I did not wow. know that. I yeah. was trying to explain that to him. I know. He's got no. We might have to stop down. No. We're, Pete, Pete says right. we're going to stop, so stop down, and we're going to give Matthew Barry a chair. Okay, we'll give him a chair so we know also <laughs> we can fix the camera. He's not on a crotch shot the whole time. <laughs> I want to command you to do something here. Get command ready them. for draft season with the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide featuring content from Matthew Barry, including player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. You can go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide. Use the promo code Barry20. You can save 20% at checkout the man that is always on time. There the he talented is. The talented. The time By the way, just so you know, <laughs> if you want to, right, there's the promo code 20 that gets you, Barry20, that gets you 20% off. Yeah. But if you would like, if you're like, you know what, that's too much savings for me. Yeah. You can use the promo code Connor5 right. for 5% off. Right. You know, named after Connor Rogers, yeah. who's oh, co-host yep. over at the we Happy Hour, and I know he's yeah. uh, been here on Unbuttoned as well. Right. Or um, or J10, also after Jay Croucher, another guy that's yeah. been on Unbuttoned. Sure. So, yeah, so it depends on how much <laughs> savings you want. Right. If you want the full 20%, then it's me, but some people are like, that's too much yeah, savings. That's too much. I would rather give the NBC Some just Universal don't want to type your name no. in. They might just want to write Jay Croucher in J- there. Yeah, <laughs> J10 or Connor 5. You'd, yeah. you'd be surprised people are using those other two promo codes. <laughs> and, then at the, and then at the end, you just kind of compare who's driving more subscriptions, right? Yeah, that's you just exactly see right. who it's can not a, It's not a totally fair fight, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how we've arranged it. By the way, I have a bone to pick here, by yeah. the way. Guys, oh, I want to be clear. I want to... I am. So I was told 11 a.m. Now, now listen, I showed up at like whatever uh, after 11 a.m. So I was late, (laughs) but I wasn't as late as you made it seem. Okay, sure. Hey, you know, I live. First off, by the way, can we just talk about the fact that Stamford, Connecticut, which is where the beautiful NBC sports facility is. It's the most annoying town to drive in America. It's like it's I might as well be driving to another country. It's uh, like in terms of like there's one way to get here. Yeah, it's a freeway and it's a freeway. It's 95. That is the most busy thing in the world. And so for whatever reason, at like 930 this morning. Like, again, it's like an hour and 10 minutes if I have no traffic from my house right. to here. But, right, for whatever reason, at 9.45 this morning, they shut it down to do construction to one lane. And, that, you know, now I'm in, like, bumper-to-bumper traffic I for, know. like, you know, a half hour. So yeah. um, I I cop to being late, but I do not accept being as late as you thought I was. Okay, sure, whatever. Fair you enough. already have a reputation. You'll be late I, for true. your funeral. Right? I, I, That's I, what we you know. know what I, okay. That I would be happy with. <laughs> all, Look, all, I have a lot of skills, Chris Sims. I have a lot of skills. Time management is not one of them. I, I fully I, admit that. I, I push the limit, too. I push the, Stanford yeah. is annoying. Yeah. I come from a different direction where I have to, and Ahmed's heard me say this, It takes me 20 minutes to get to work. It takes me 10 minutes to get basically 98% of the way. Right. But there is somebody paid the mayor of Stanford a million extra dollars to have a light at every possible spot in the world. Plus, they act like it's New York City, like where everybody stopped, right? At all four spots. And it's like, is there a million people coming out of a stadium or the city here? Oh, wait, nobody's crossing the fucking street. Why are we all stopped here? It is I mean, brutal. it drives me crazy. 
Or there'll be a thousand cars going in one direction and an equal light <laughs> right. for a street that I've never seen a car come down ever. But they have an equal light. And I go, I, I've never seen a car come down that light. But I sit here at this light every day and act like there's going to be somebody. It's absolutely so, brutal. By the way, the, just to... Just, <laughs> I mean, just to just you know, for uh, you know, for for both sides sure. of this this uh, particular situation, yeah. Sims also referenced the fact that I was late to my own show once. Yeah. So this is true. This is absolutely true. I was I was so? completely. I missed like the first half hour of my show. Yeah. Here's why: there was a triple murder on 95. Okay. There was like three different people were shot. Yeah. Like. And and where uh, where they shut down the entire freeway. Sure. So it's like you don't plan on that. You don't plan on that, and like there's literally no other way to get here other than this. It's rough one on these streets of Connecticut. You better I'm be just, ready, man. I'm just, I'm just and there was other times where there was, was not like, a triple murder, and you were also late though. So you know, I don't. I actually know. don't remember that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to dispute it because it could be right, but I don't remember. I don't remember that. Like uh, you know. Well, this is what happens what, what, when when NBC makes. Employees come back to work. You know, you get I, talking about the commute for what I am. What I am working on, Chris Sims. I'm just going to throw this out here, and you tell me. Give me some advice because okay. both you guys are NBC Sports veterans. You guys have been here a long time. Sure. Uh, I'm the newer guy, right? I'm you like are. this is just my first year. And so, give me some advice and just t- talk to me. Don't tell anyone else this. Okay. But I need to figure out a way to get the Florio deal because Florio Florio's mm-hmm. holed up in his house in West Virginia. Right. Yep. Doesn't have to leave. Like yeah. he's got. That's what I need. I need. I need. You to don't want to be that. I well, not in West Virginia, yeah, well, but no. like I want to, like I, you know, yeah, like don't yeah. be a recluse. I want and then yes. not at the world and no, antisocial, no, 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 and you no, can't no. do I anything. Need figure, I need to and have out. to get seventy well, yeah. different like vaccination shots to well, do yeah. anything because you can't all, leave your house. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's all. That's all the Florio <laughs> stuff. That's, I'm not saying I want that personality, but I'm saying I but want that, that personality setup. comes with it, though. Is what Chris is saying. You'll grow into that. You'll become that. No, no, no. You're a social butterfly. This is my ideal. This is my dream. And you just tell me, like, who do I need to talk to? Internally at NBC Sports, what do I need to do to get enough juice? You know, there's to, so to many jokes Florio I juice. can make right now, right, but I'm exactly. not going to. Right. Okay. Well, it's, it's your show, but <laughs> I just right. where I get that Florio deal where like I could, you know, basically between the Monday through Friday, I could, you know, do my show from a studio yes. at my house. It would be nice, and then yeah. on Sundays come in for fantasy football pregame. You're and then enough football of a diva America. already. Just you know, just shut up and shut up. Work. Okay. Long story short, it's a dream that'll die hard. Is what you're telling me. Fair enough. Long story short, it just means we have less time to talk about fantasy. And yeah, now we have even less time. That's no, all right. Let's get to it. Let's this get is a good YouTube. talk. Let's I mean, get to it. Impossible yeah. here. All right, so you're, you're, uh, you're ride or die. Yes. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Yes, sir. My Detroit Lions. Yes, although just apparently just um, had some uh, literally like 20 minutes ago. A little just, injury? A little injury. I thought yeah, I saw that. Drill, I saw seven that. and seven drills. Oh, my gosh. Trainers are looking at him, so I don't know. We'll see what's, oh what's going to go on there. It's falling apart for my Lions already. I'm nervous a little bit. He's your ride or die yes, sir. out of nowhere guy. He's not the number one, no. right? He was like ten or eleven, maybe on the. On the I list? have it. I had a number, so I have him at number ten overall. Right. So I am as a first round pick. He's not going as a first round pick. He is going, you know, kind of in the. Although I've been. Uh, other fantasy analysts have yelled at me because he was going like mid to late second round, and, and you blew now, it up now. And yes, and since <laughs> since I made him yeah. my right or die, in all seriousness, like um, like somebody yelled at me the other day. He said, you know, like. He got drafted ahead of C.D. Lamb in my league, you know. Um, so, but yes, w- at the point of the ride or die is not like, hey, here's this unknown gem that I'm unearthing. It is like, here's a player that I believe is undervalued. Here's a player that is known but isn't as well known as he should be. Here's somebody that I think can be 
will be an elite fantasy superstar this year. I'm planting my flag. I'm saying this is my guy. This is who I am riding or dying with this year. Again, so last year was Jalen Hurts. It's not like Jalen Hurts was an unknown quantity, but he was last year was he was going in the seventh round. He was the eighth quarterback off the board. And I said, yeah. you know, I said, I think number one quarterback in fantasy is within the range of possibilities in the range of outcomes for Jalen Hurts. He ended up finishing as the number one quarterback on a points per game basis last year. Amon Ross St. Brown is not an unknown quantity. He's been a good fantasy wide receiver. My point is merely, I don't think people understand how great he right, is. Right. Like that, that, the, the stat I gave uh, on Football Night in America when you and I were doing our segment, segment together, Sims, was that since week 13 of the 2021 season, which was sort of his breakout game, yeah. from that time, the only player, literally the only player in the NFL with more receptions from that point till now is Justin Jefferson. He's second in the NFL in receptions. He's third in fantasy points. The only person with more fantasy points than him is Jefferson and Devontae Adams in that time frame. And no one, when you talk about the elite wide receivers in the NFL, when you talk about the Jeffersons and the Cooper Cups and the, and the, uh, and the, I'm, I'm sorry, the Cooper Cups and the, uh, you know, the Devontae Adams and the um, CeeDee Lambs of the Jamar world. Chases, Jamar Chase. Chases. Yeah, thank right. you. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Yep. He doesn't get mentioned in that level. He right. doesn't get mentioned as one of the elite, hmm. elite wide receivers in the NFL. And my argument is he is, and people don't realize it. Yeah. And I think after this year, he will be in that class. He will be, I think he's got top five fantasy wide receiver upside. I'm not taking him ahead of Chase or Jefferson or Cup. Gotcha. But I do think he's in that next tier. Gotcha. I, I, I love you're, you. I love you. You love you, man. You really do. You, you and you put yourself out there too. You're not. You, you go off the board, and I respect that about you a lot. And it, it's usually through you know thought out things, and and you have a good gut for football, as I said yeah. about mm-hmm. you on Monday. You really do. You see the game well. So you in reality I appreciate that. and that fantasy, means a lot you're good. From you. And and so here's another like who do we got a Amon Ra St. Brown type of guy coming down the tracks at all? Is it you know I'll throw some names. You know yeah. Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson, you know, uh, yes. who else am I missing that was kind of a – it's going to be a second-year guy that can – Jerry Judy, I know he's third year. Anybody else that you yeah, think I mean, listen, watch out? I, like, I mean, so, I, I mean, I think Olave is going to have a monster year, right? right? I mean, one of the things about Derek Carr is that he is one of the best – quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of deep balls, right? I mean, he was top five in the NFL in deep ball rate and deep ball completion percentage passes thrown 15 yards more downfield over the last two years. And, and so Olave, I think is going to be a guy that um, can, you know, really benefit from that quarterback. Uh, When I was take when I was putting together my list of potential fantasy ride or dies. Olave was on the short list Hmm. as was Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, as we talked about uh, at the hall of fame game, Garrett Wilson averaged over 17 fantasy points a game with Joe Flacco and Mike White. Yeah. Now I had to cherry pick that a little bit because if you add in Zach Wilson numbers, it's like it's like seven points, you know, like <laughs> yeah. right. And we only have like a very limited amount of time on Football Night in America. But the fact is, is that uh, whatever Aaron Rodgers winds up being this year, it's going to be an upgrade. I think personally, a significant upgrade, but it's yeah. going to be an upgrade over what he had last year when he's productive as a rookie. So I'm with you. I think Garrett Wilson has a, has a monster season. Uh, I'll give you another guy. I'll give you a couple of guys as we're just talking wide receivers here. I like Jahan Dotson. Mm. Uh, you know I mean? Again, I'm a commander's fan, so I'm a homer. Chris and I have gone back and forth on this, but I think Jahan Dotson is really, really interesting uh, this year in terms of just as a player that when he was out there last year, he missed some time, but he was out there catching balls from Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. 
He's a baller. I'm with you. I, I, yeah. I think there's a better than average chance that Sam Howell is going to be the best quarterback he's played with in his very short pro career. Yeah. I think there's an argument that Terry McLaurin, yeah. that Sam Howell is going to be the best sure. quarterback that he's played with. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know where you are on Howell, where where you had him when he was coming out of UNC. Yeah. But I kind of like the kid. Am I, I am I being a homer here? No, since? I don't think you're being a homer. He was my number five quarterback that year. There were some things about him that I'd want to see him improve, but like he's got a good natural feel for the game. He can throw the ball down the field mm-hmm. with accuracy. He can make plays that way. I'm big into that. And then that offense with those weapons you're talking about, we did an exercise last week, like picking one guy to watch in the preseason. I picked Dotson because yeah. I was like, he looks like he's got the ability to become a real number one receiver. Mm-hmm. And if he becomes that, and you already have a number one in Terry McLaurin, I'd go watch the fuck out for that offense. So I, I'm with you in that thought, let alone there's some other things you got to worry about. It's not just those two. The two running backs are mm-hmm. good, decent tight end, Curtis Samuel at receiver. I mean, there's some other elements there. So I'm, I, I hear you in that, Jahan Dotson. I'll give you another guy just yeah. in terms of we're talking sort of like, you know, younger guys that haven't broken out yet. But if you look at sort of the underlying metrics of Nico Collins mm-hmm. in Texas, uh-huh. you know, the Texans, like, again, it's going to be a bad offense, and C.J. Stroud is a rookie, so they're going to struggle somewhat. But I'm just – Nico, I, the two wide receivers there, and I know they've got Robert Woods, and but Nico Collins and Tank Dell, who really flashed in his first he preseason yeah. game. But uh, I got an, a chance to interview Tank Dell and C.J. Stroud at the NFLPA rookie premiere. And all they did was basically talk about each other in wow. glowing, glowing terms. You know, obviously Tank Dell went to school in Houston, so he lives like, whatever, 10 minutes from the stadium. Right. CJ Stroud's like, yeah, he's been my tour guide. Like every day, all we do is like he shows me around Houston and then we hang out and we're, we're playing video games, we're talking ball, whatever, we're, we're chopping it up. And on Nico Collins, like, again, his health has been an issue for him, but like the underlying metrics with him are really, really impressive. So those are like some under the radar yeah. guys yeah. that probably don't I like get mentioned that, that, much, that I like often. That. I like that. So let, let's take a step back for a second here because I have my first draft coming up here okay. in like a, a week and a half. Like what are the what are the big trends that I should be looking out for here? Because it's usually been, you know, running backs all in the first round. I think that one, we don't see that as much anymore. No. It's wide receivers more. Quarterbacks, are they about what they have been in the past? Tight end with Kelsey. Like what are the big storylines sure. if you're getting into your draft for the first sure. time? Sure, so let's start a quarterback, right? So a quarterback, I think more often than not, you kind of want hopefully an elite option. And in essence, this is something we talked about. In today's NFL, to be a relevant fantasy quarterback, you need to be one of two things. You need to be uh, a dual threat, somebody that gets you fantasy points with your arm and your leg, mm-hmm. a Jalen Hurts, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson. Right. Or you need 35 to 40 passing right. touchdown upside, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Like, you need to be one of those two guys. Like, yeah. somebody like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a much better real-life NFL quarterback than he will be fantasy quarterback. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, they're fine. They're solid kind of 12, 14 range quarterbacks. But in essence, I actually think because there's so much kind of sameness there, once you get past kind of the elite guys, there's eight guys that I feel really good about this year. And then you get into, and Deshaun Watson, I have at nine. And it sort of depends on how you feel about Watson. Mm -hmm. But after that, it gets kind of like you're in kind of the, the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins range, you know, and you're sort of like, eh, the one wild card I'll give you. So I I actually think, you know, you want to be one of the first eight people in your league to draft a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I like all, you know, all the obvious guys that I just mentioned, Justin Fields is in that mix as well. He is in that mix. Okay. Because of the rushing. And I think he improves, you know, the thing that was interesting about, and I'm just sort of all over the place, but but Justin Fields, I thought what was interesting about that preseason game, you know, he's through two bubble screams, screens, one to GJ Moore, one to Khalil Herbert, both who took him to the house. Right. But what was interesting there is, like, 
whatever. You, you can't count that, right? Like he had 100 yards on two touchdown passes. Like, whatever. He threw him two yards and those guys made plays. But to me, the point there was he suddenly has playmakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year, Darnell Mooney goes down in the middle of the season. They trade for Chase Claypool, whatever. But, like, Dave Montgomery, who's a nice player but more of a plotter, you yeah, know. I mean, right. like, he all These of a sudden you're like, right, those are yeah. game. Like, right. DJ Moore and Khalil Herbert, who was on the roster last year but didn't get on the field much because of Montgomery. Like, all of a sudden, like, there's some speed and some weapons for Justin Fields, who obviously is a huge weapon himself. Right. So, I think that's that to me is the exciting part about, Agreed. about Justin. It's another part of a successful formula you can see that can unlock Justin Fields and the offense in general. And it all work and help. It's something. It's something else that a defense coordinator has to worry has about. To, has to right. worry about. Right. Whereas before, it's just like, how do we contain Fields? Um, all right, wait, wait. Before you go to another yes. team, DJ Moore. Do you think he has that type of year? I mean, it looks like he's under draft. I mean, for me, yeah. he's been one of those guys where I go, he's he's one of the superstar five best receivers in football. If he was on a good team with a good quarterback, he hasn't. That. Is he going to be drafted that way? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't right. think he's going to be drafted that way, but I absolutely agree with you. Like, I think if we're just talking pure talent, yeah. like he's on that short list of like elite wide receivers right. in the NFL. There's no question. And again, as we were just sort of talking about Sam Howell might be the best quarterback that McLaurin and Dotson have ever played with. I feel like Justin Fields is clearly the best quarterback that DJ Moore's ever played with, yeah, right? I mean, right. when we go through the the Sam Darnolds and the Kyle Allens of the world, and um, and even you know Cam Newton towards the end of his career, like there, there's going to be, I think, um, I think DJ Moore and Justin Fields will really connect. The only issue with DJ Moore is the touchdowns. Yeah, he's just a guy that doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, right. and has that been because? of his size or because the teams he's been on have wanted to go running. You know, he was on the team with McCaffrey for a while. So that's the only thing about DJ Moore from a fantasy perspective is can he get above four or five touchdowns this year? Uh, but I do think he, he can be, and it certainly wouldn't shock me if a year from now we're sitting here talking about, hey, what about that top eight fantasy season, that top 12 fantasy season that we saw from, from DJ Moore? Um, and the other guy that's in that top eight that I don't think I've mentioned yet is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah who I think is just going to have a monster season. Trevor uh-huh. Lawrence is another guy that, like Herbert, like Mahomes, you don't think of him as a pure Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts type rusher, but he is mobile enough to get you Definitely. 30 yards a game Definitely. the way that Herbert and Mahomes do. Right. And those points add up. Everyone's back from last year. Second year in Peterson's system. Yep. You, you got Ridley, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram all back. I'm sorry, not Ridley. You've got Christian Kirk. Zay Jones and Evan Ingram all back. Yeah, plus Ridley's ETN, an addition. And Ridley's an addition. Right. Calvin Ridley comes in. He's a fascinating guy this year. Definitely. It's not a de- it's not a division that scares you. Right. Defensively, mm-hmm. we all think Lawrence is a hell of a player. It felt like last year, Chris, taking fantasy out of it for a second. It felt like towards the middle of the year, and I know this is something you and I talked about sort of off camera and just in the, you know, in the room where we're all watching the games. Felt like somewhere last year there was a game where it just was it the Bears game? There was a game where where you just sort of saw the light go on for Trevor Lawrence, where it was just like, okay, I'm now a franchise quarterback. Get on my back. Right. We're going down the field. We're scoring. Yeah. We're winning this game. I'm doing it. And just from that time on, it, and of course the playoff game exploded. against the Chargers. Yes. He was right. he was that guy we thought he was right. going to be when he was the number one overall pick. He had the Raiders game where they did the big comeback, right? The Ravens game, yeah. the Cowboys game. The Ravens game, game is the one of the Ravens, right? Ravens it was 27-10 yeah, maybe, yeah. and they came back. He made some big-time throws, and yeah. we were like, oh, geez, that is That's the number the one pick. That's the guy we've Right, right, definitely. I'm with you there, and, you know, I think he's one of the five, six best quarterbacks in football right now. I'm expecting him. I want to ask you about running backs, too. Okay. All right. The last quarterback I'll mention okay, very fine, quickly. Okay, fine, do that. Go ahead. I think Anthony Richardson's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. 
I, I know they want to limit his throwing. I know his passing is still raw. But again, because he is such a threat on the ground, think about Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson's rookie mm-hmm. year where they didn't let either of those guys really throw that much. I would argue that Anthony, both those guys were top 10 fantasy quarterbacks on a point-per-game basis their rookie year right. because mm-hmm. the rushing is so significant. I would argue that Richardson honestly has better weapons around him. I think Michael Pittman's better than anyone that Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts played with in their rookie yeah, year. Sure, okay. Right, you know, yeah. and Jonathan Taylor, right. we'll see what happens with that situation, but assuming Taylor is back, he's a better running back than either of those guys had. Like there's more I like I think Alec Pierce is kind of an interesting young <laughs> I agree player with you. as well. Yeah, great. So, I, anyway, I what I said on my show the other day was I said I have Anthony Richardson at quarterback 12. He's going as QB 16. Mm-hmm. So I'm well ahead of consensus on him. I am at QB 12, and I think I still might be too low. Right. I, like I, Richardson I, wouldn't shock me if he just – I think that kid's special. Yeah. I, I it, We we wax poetically about him on there's a lot to like. And, yeah, with that formula, they have a good defense, all that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if – And the right yeah, coach for him. The right coach. You know, the system fits. And, and they'll work the right pass, you know, concepts into the whole formula like you're talking about. Plus, they'll get down to the three or four-yard line. He'll get a lot of quarterback touchdown runs that way, yards on top of it. Um, all right. So, I just want to – ask you before because right, I know you got to go because yeah, okay. I, well, I was going to ask about Travis ATN because yeah, I'm expecting that. this year but is there anybody else like, that you I got go 10 more minutes I'm good I'm okay. okay all right but yeah is there anybody else at the running back position you think that's flying under the radar that you expect kind of a, a blowout blow up year here um I think I don't know why I keep going back to the Texans. I do think Damian Pierce is underrated mm-hmm. I think he's somebody that like towards the end of last year they sort of um, kind of put him in bubble wrap a little bit. He got he got banged up, and then they just sort of limited him. But here's the thing about the Texans. Like, that's a really good offensive line. You know, I mean, there's so much about how they're going to be rebuilding, but that's a really good offensive line. Um, Defensive-minded coach, rookie quarterback. I think what they're going to want to do, try to run the ball, play good defense, yeah. try to keep it competitive, right. limit what C.J. Stroud has to do. So exactly. I, think, I think when you think about – there's so few running backs in the NFL that are like bell cow running backs, right? There's the obvious, you know, whatever, the, the Derrick Henrys of the world, the McCaffreys, the Ecklers, the, the guys that you know that go at the top of their drafts. But Damian Pierce isn't being drafted like a bell cow running back, and he's going to be. And I'm not saying the Texans are going to be great. They're not, right? They're, it's a rebuilding year. No, But, but they're going to be more competitive than right. you get. You give the, like, like, I think Ryan's is a hell of a coach. I think they've got more talent than they probably give, get it credit for. Again, I think it's – They've got a good offensive line. Shanahan running system. Right. Got all that. They're going to yeah. move the ball. Yep. Like it's, they're not going to get blown out. I don't think they're going to get blown, blown out. Right. Like I, and so Damian Pierce is somebody interesting. Um, another guy that, I, that gets completely undrafted is James Conner. Because mm. everyone's just like, you know, eh, Arizona, they're right. terrible. Yeah, Who yeah. knows? Right. Colt McCoy, blah, 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 blah. James Conner. All he does is play every single down. He's a really good pass-catching running back. So even if they're getting blown out, he's still going to be on the field. He's still catching the ball. And so that's a guy, again, that's going like in the sixth round that is somebody that is going to touch the ball 20 times a game. Fantasy, fantasy production comes from literally two things, and two things only, opportunity and talent. I don't think anyone questions James Conner's talent or toughness. Around the goal line, he's one of the best in the NFL, you know. Um, And opportunity. Like, they have no one else. You know, we talked about sort of fantasy winners and losers. And kind of the fantasy winners with Dalvin Cook going to the Jets and Ezekiel Elliott going to the Patriots, James Conner was one of those guys because they didn't sign 
a veteran. Right. You know, they've got Ingram there. They've got a couple of younger guys. But as long as Connor's healthy, he's going to get a massive, massive workload. What does Cook and Brees Hall look like with the Jets right now for you? So I th- my take is I know everyone's saying, like, oh, this means Brees Hall is, is really hurt. I don't think that's what it means. No. I do think – I think what it means is twofold. Number one is, is that behind Brees Hall, Brees Hall's coming off a major injury and he's a young kid, right? And so this allows them – and behind him they had, you know, they had Michael Carter, they had Bam Knight. They've got young, you know, unproven guys. They have young, unproven guys. They've got a 40-year-old quarterback who changes plays at the line of scrimmage and they do intricate things in pass protection. Like, they got to depend on somebody. Right. A four, by the way, a 40-year-old quarterback who gave up 35 million dollars or whatever it is in guaranteed money to win this year yeah and so like he's not doing that because like you know hey i'm making too much money jets you guys you guys print up some more t-shirts or whatever like he's not like go get me some help and so think about think about 2021 the last year that nathaniel hackett was the oc in green bay with rogers as his quarterback oh by the way rogers won the mvp that year yeah what did they do that year it was aaron jones and aj dillon now, obviously, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall are very different types of players than Jones and Dylan. But the fact of the matter is, is a two-headed rushing attack that took some pressure off Rodgers that made it a balanced offense. Yeah. That's what worked for the Packers and mm-hmm. Hackett that year. And so a guy like Dalvin Cook, who is a veteran, who – like the issues with Cook in Minnesota – from a football perspective, were money-related, not talent. Mm-hmm. Like, again, maybe a little bit if you look at the efficiency metrics as he lost a step, maybe, but he's still a very good running back, right? And so uh, this allows them to have kind of a one-two punch with with Brees Hall and, and Dalvin Cook, and it allows them to bring Hall back slowly so that he's full health right. second half of the year when they're making a playoff push. Their schedule, the first six games, is absolutely brutal. Um, and so I think it's another veteran, to your point, another veteran back there that when, when Aaron Rodgers just does one of these, whatever, right. Dalvin Cook knows exactly what that means right. and is going to hit the right gap or yeah. pick up the right blitz or right. whatever. Right. And, um, and so from a fantasy perspective, I have Brees Hall, I think, at 14, and I have Dalvin Cook at 26. So I have Brees Hall as kind of a mid-tier RB2, and Dalvin Cook is kind of a flex play. And my expectation is usage-wise, it will be very similar once Brees Hall is up to full strength. Usage-wise, it'll be very similar to Jones and Dylan, where Jones averaged about 18 touches a game and Dylan averaged 11 to 13. So that that's that's what I think it yeah, would be. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would probably be the proper balance there, right? Uh, and, and I think you hit on all the right things there altogether. I mean, anything else out there that you think people are missing as far as fantasy or anything there? Um, I want to wax poetically about you being an Avengers Endgame that he didn't know about. We don't have time. He doesn't even know. He didn't know you were only in the highest grossing film ever. He doesn't watch movies. I didn't believe it. Yeah, I, I, am, I am the highest grossing. Look, there's a you see Look there, at that, that guy. That's, that's me in the uh, <laughs> that's me in the movie next to uh, Thor with the cape uh, on. You, Tony, to, you with Tony, the cape on. Tony Stark, and uh, and of course uh, that's Alexander. You're a lot Pierce. taller than Robert Redford. I am. Oh yeah, yeah. you are. I, I, am in, yeah. I am indeed. You know what's amazing is about this particular shot is so that was the last movie that Robert Redford ever did. Um, like he has not. Oh, he's retired. Yeah. He's retired. Yeah, right. So again, <laughs> he I hope Robert. You and he said the well, hell of this. I just well listen. <laughs> Robert Redford is beloved. We love him, right? And right. we hope that um, we hope that he lives for another fifty years. Right. It's an but, icon. But he's an icon. But just at some point, whenever, because we're all there's an expiration date on all of sure. us. Like you know, yeah. like at the Oscars when they do in memoriam, 
like, you know, do they show a shot from his last movie that he ever did? Oh. And there's yeah. my dumbass standing next to him. <laughs> he's already I, thinking of his next Hollywood diva just, moment. I'm just here. Asking. Yeah, again, he's like, issue. again, if that guy dies. No. I'm going to be on the Oscars I'm one just, day. I, again, I hope he lives 50 years. He could not have been. Yeah. Night, he couldn't, I mean, he's an icon. He is a legend. He is, you know, yes. he is the goat. And by the way, on set, he could not have been nicer or oh, more kinding. Cool. Or, you know, and I'm just like, who am I next to Robert Redford? But he was like very welcoming and asking me. Like he, you know, loved, loved, loved that guy. But it just yeah. it was pointed out to me funny that like obviously, you know, whenever that day comes and it's going to come for all of us, like yeah. a nation's going to mourn and they will probably, one of the things they will do when they, you know, look back <laughs> upon this brilliant man's career uh-huh. is they will show a shot from his last movie the that he ever one. did. Yep. This and, isn't his last scene every, though, was it? Did he do that, another yes. scene after that? That was no, the last that scene That's too? the last time he, oh, he, he, reti- he announced his retirement right. after that movie came out. Right. Wow. So I'm just, you know, he poor was guy. Passing the tor- he was passing you, the torch. Can you tell is. your friend to watch the fucking movie you're in? I do not need to the last yeah, one for an How have there. you not seen oh, Avengers yet? So many You're the only person on the seen. on the planet that hasn't. Sorry, it's the highest true. grossing movie of all time worldwide. It's the only movie I've ever done. So, you know, on a per movie basis, I am yeah. the highest grossing <laughs> actor of all time worldwide. <laughs> Better root against Barbie. And he's going to be on the Barbie. Oscar Barbie's, show. Barbie's coming for us. There's no question. <laughs> uh, I got to I got to see Barbie. Um the uh the only other last piece of fantasy advice okay. I will give you in yep. terms cuz you asked about tight end. We did talk yes. a little bit wide receivers. At tight end, I think there's an elite tier. Kelsey's in a tier by himself, and then I think it's Andrews and Hawkinson. I do like Hawkinson this year, former Lion. Yep. But in this year, I want to either be one of the first guys in my league to draft a tight end, one of those elite guys, or I want to be one of the last. Because after you get past kind of those big three, yeah. like, you know, I like Dallas Goddard. I like, you know, I like Dalton Schultz. I think Fryermuth will be fine, right? I mean, I think there's – but there's enough guys there in that – from that point forward, that you don't you need know, to. Well, I mean, I, I think Waller. I think Waller has a big year for yeah, the Giants. I right. really like him, and you've right. got you've got Kittle in there as well. I think you know Higby is underrated because he's like all they've got in Los Angeles, right. other than Cooper Cup. Yeah. Um. Uh, I kind of I'm semi obsessed with my guy Chigakonkwo um, in Tennessee. I can you see want, that. You, yeah. you want a late round flyer. Luke Musgrave, the rookie tight end wow. in Green Bay, he yeah. is just blow his seal. He is so fast, and he is blowing by people in camp. Yeah. And literally, they have Christian Watson, and that there's no one else that demands targets in that offense. Yeah. He was open and, in the game, and uh, Love missed him the other night, actually, in a deep he, crosser. He is going to be such a yeah. mismatch problem for linebackers, and uh, so I think he's really interesting. Everyone loves Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo as well in terms of the tight end. But my point is, is that if you don't get one of those guys, if you don't get one of those elite guys, wait a little bit. Wait, because yeah. I think there's a Enough, enough sameness towards the uh, towards the, the the back part of the you know the eight through twelve, eight through thirteen there's range a, of tight There's ends. a lot of guys gotcha. who could finish you know seven through twelve. I think Hunter like Henry has a big year yeah. in Bill O'Brien's offense. He's going to use a lot more two tight end sense as a connection between Mac Jones and Hunter Henry. Gasecki already got banged up a little bit, so um, you know. That's All what right. I would do. Wait on tight end. You're the man. You we could go on forever. We could. We could. Seriously, I could ask you a lot more questions here, but we'll do it again at some point. I know yeah. you got to go. We're done with the show. We're You're going to close it out with us right here. All right, everybody. You know you know where to find us. We'll be back on Monday. Okay, preseason reaction week two. Not sure I'll actually be back on Monday. Might be a Tuesday. I have to go what? to Kansas City on Sunday oh. and interview this guy that nobody's heard of. Is Patrick Mahomes. No big deal. I'll be hanging with him for a little bit. 
show on Netflix. Yeah, oh, you know, I heard about that. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm actually Sorry, watching it. Picked up that naming drop. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to be like you. Yeah, I'm trying fair. to be a star. <laughs> One day I'm going to get there. Okay? Understood. But you know where to find us. Keep sending in the questions. You know where to see Matthew Berry, uh, Roto World fantasy expert. He's the man. Check out his show on the Peacock. Uh, it's streaming at 12 o'clock. And that's it, homies. Yeah. Peace out. NBCSports.com, RotoWorld.com. You know it. Ahmed Farid, thanks for driving the ship. Absolutely. All right, homies, you know where to find us. Peace out. Clap, Clap it, it up. up. Clap it up. Well done.